0: hello friends and welcome back to the bikes for death podcast as always my name is patrick and i'm your host and on today's episode i am sitting down with james collins who was the first person to ride the central texas showdown route and because the group start isn't until october of this year and james was leaving texas to continue his education in north carolina he decided to tackle the route as an ITT this past June. So on today's episode, we're going to be taking a look into James's experience as the first person ever to attempt the new Central Texas Showdown route and getting to know James a little bit better, who is a three-time veteran of the East Texas Showdown and so he has a lot of experience whenever it comes to my events and also the uh central texas showdown is basically in his backyard where he grew up and so he's very familiar with this area and a great resource for perspective on hey did i pick the right roads and you know what did you think about the route and all this fun stuff so uh that is today's episode If you find yourself wanting a deeper dive into James's experience on his ITT, he wrote a very thorough, detailed, and excellent ride report on his ITT. Um, You can find a link to that in the show notes, and it's also at BikesForDeath.com under the blog section. So, If you're somebody who is Thinking about maybe taking this route on as a ride, or if you're going to be showing up for the group start this October, after you listen to this episode, I think that his ride report is an excellent resource as well if you would like to take a deeper dive. While we're talking about the Central Texas Showdown today, let me take this opportunity to just share some quick details So the Central Texas Showdown is the second race in the Texas Showdown series, the first one obviously being East Texas. Now we bring the same blueprint and the same model that made East Texas Showdown so successful, and we are applying that to Central Texas Showdown. We have three routes from the Lowdown, the Slowdown, and the Showdown and the showdown has a death loop just like at East Texas Showdown. And of course, after we're all done, you come back, this time not to the Bullet Grill, this time to the Castell General Store, and we have a hoedown. So it's a great time, and currently registration is full for that event, but the waitlist is still open. Actually, I just had someone email me just a couple minutes ago and had to uh, drop out. So um, if you're interested in this event, go ahead and sign up for the wait list. There's a chance we might still be able to get you on. Uh, I'll link to that in the show notes as well, but I have created a website that is going to host the Texas Showdown series, all the races. So uh, the East Texas Showdown, the Central Texas Showdown, and Coming soonish will be the West Texas Showdown. When it's all done, we'll have three different races in the Texas Showdown series, and I've created a website so you can track all that information. It's easy. It's texasshowdownseries.com, and there you can find all the information about all these events. It's a great way to stay up to date and get more information if that's something that you're interested in. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, Let's get into today's show. But first, let's take a minute to thank the people that made it possible, starting with our latest patrons. So this week, we would like to thank Scott Folland and Andreas Hagbarth for signing up as patrons of this podcast. If you appreciate these episodes and you would like to support this work, you can find out more over at patreon.com forward slash bikes for death. And whether you're wanting to give a one-time donation or a monthly donation, both options are available to you. And any support you can give is greatly appreciated and it goes directly into helping us continue to produce this podcast. And speaking of patrons, we have a special Easter egg for you today. The episode that you're hearing today with James is actually the second episode that we recorded. Uh, The first one was entertaining. Um, but I recorded that one, uh, the evening before I was leaving 4am to go on a international trip to Oaxaca and we were drinking and having a good time. And the conversation kind of really just turned out to be like two guys talking at a bar about bikes and it was really fun and really entertaining, uh, but I really felt like uh, we probably didn't address the Central Texas showdown as well as we could have, and as the host, I take full responsibility of that. It is my responsibility. So I talked to my editor and I talked to James about it, and we're like, "Let's." It's fun. It's entertaining. Uh, so we're gonna put that out there. It's available to the patrons, and that's gonna be available as early as this Friday. So here in the next couple of days. All right. Well, let me also tell you about something exciting from my friends over at Wren Sports. Don't skip past this ad because I'm going to, at the end of it, they've got a insane deal for you on their beefcake carbon plus gravel fork. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. I love the name, The Beefcake. What a great name for a fork and the graphics on it are kind of cool, um, but that's not the most important thing about this fork. The concept behind The Beefcake is a carbon fork that will take you anywhere. That is their whole approach to designing a carbon fork for adventure biking. So whether it is gravel, bike packing, bike rafting, or any other epic adventure, this fork can literally do it all. It's light, strong, and gives you the ability to carry an impressive amount of gear. You might say that with the Beefcake, you can have your cake and eat it too. Ha ha. Beefcake is the largest tire volume carbon gravel bikepacking fork in the world. It is designed to fit up to a 27.5 by 3-inch tire or a 29 by 2.6-inch Another neat feature about this fork is it has a convertible axle, which allows you to run either a 15 or a 12 millimeter through axle, which is just another great feature and another great reason to have this fork in your arsenal. To check out this fork, to get more details, of course, you can check the show notes, but head over to Rensports.com, Check out the Beefcake Carbon Plus Gravel Fork, and if you like it, put it in your cart Use the code HAVECAKEEATIT2 for a massive 50% off. That's not a typo. 50% off, half off the beefcake carbon plus gravel fork over at rentsports.com. Just use the promo code HAVECAKEEATIT2, all one word. Our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it literally every day. And I gave AG1 a try because I know that Andrew Huberman supports it and recommends it and uses it. And I trust Andrew Huberman. Uh, If you don't know Andrew, he has another podcast called the Huberman Lab. I highly recommend it. He is a neuroscientist and he really breaks down complex neurological and biological and physiological concepts and makes them understandable and relatable to people like me and maybe like you. And I've really come to follow him and respect him as a source of good information. Uh, So whenever I heard Andrew recommends it and he uses it, I was like, okay, I need to check this out too. Now I drink AG1 every day before my workout and it makes me feel like I'm actually doing something good for my body and I'm giving it the nutrition that it needs. We talk a lot about nutrition for bike touring and bike racing, and finding quality foods on route can be challenging to say the least. May I recommend AG1 travel packs for the nutritionally deficient bike packer on the go? If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one year of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash bikes or death. That's drinkag1.com forward slash bikes or death to take control of your daily nutritional insurance. All right, all right, ching, 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 bills have been paid. And now it is time to get to my chat with James Collins all about his Central Texas Showdown ITT. But first, let's have Miles Arbor kick it off with the Bikes for Death theme song. You load up
1: your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Oh.
0: James, what's up, man? We got to uh, we got to stop meeting like this. I know, right? Or yeah, we can't. We, can, we can't keep doing this. <laughs> <laughs> we probably shouldn't keep doing. We could keep doing it, but yeah. we probably shouldn't keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, this is funny. I've never. I I haven't done this before. And like, so like November will be five years. So we're in July, August, September, October, November. Yeah, we're okay. getting close to five years. Nice. All I've right. never redone a podcast episode ever. All right, um, I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> You're honored that yeah. I fucked up our first no, interview so no, badly. No, <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Uh,
1: well,
0: yeah. What I, do we? The question is though, what do we do with the first episode?
2: Yeah, I mean, I like the, I like the Patreon like subscriber-only thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I like, I'm, I'm also like curious to hear it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I shouldn't be. I'm a, I was a little anxious. Anxious well, I, to hear it, you know. Uh, I mean, before
0: I talked to you or after?
2: Uh, before, before.
0: Yeah, when actually
2: you, less so after, but yeah.
0: When you said, uh, so like, what were you anxious about? Oh,
2: you know, just like, um, I mean, it was, it was definitely a fun conversation. But yeah, I was like... Shit did I, like I adequately like cover you know to like I cover the route and stuff, and you know is this useful, but I think we we're like on the same page about like you know um yeah, about like kind of focusing more on the route and yeah and things like that, but
0: yeah, that first step that was like <clears throat> a major shit show for me, like I actually uh, do want you to listen to it, okay. uh, just so, <laughs> just so you uh you a part of it uh, yeah, fair uh enough. Yeah. i think there were some good there was definitely like some good parts of it like yeah. from an entertainment standpoint i was yeah. i was entertained uh, but from an, a from a content standpoint yeah i felt it left something to be desired so yeah yeah like well, well, i think yeah. what we'll do is uh, we'll just redo it pretend that never happened (laughs) but not pretend too hard because I think we'll just let the patrons enjoy that episode word yeah and uh, they can see what a terrible job that I did nah and then they won't then, then they they'll all leave, <laughs> no. and then bikes are death to go out of business. Patrick, Actually, no. <laughs> I mean, if everyone was as accountable
2: as you're being, Patrick, and um, I mean, the world would be a much better place. So, no, I mean, I, I appreciate it. Yeah,
0: it is self-serving yeah. though, right? Yeah, because like, yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah. trying to be accountable, but I'm also like not wanting to put something out that would make me look bad. I don't think you look bad. I think I look. I think I didn't give you an opportunity to talk Yeah, uh, and I cut you off a lot. So I'm going to not do that this time. Right on. Well, yeah, sounds good. That's my pledge to you, James. Yeah, sounds good. I mean, you buy me a margarita, I'll be there. So do (laughs) do this as many times as it takes. (laughs) Only one margarita. eh? That's all it takes. We'll see. So what's up, James? Uh, Let's start uh, at current events. Okay. You just got back from Colorado. Mm-hmm. On yeah. a like a two-week uh, bike trip/ slash picking up your partner trip. Yeah, uh, what were you doing? Yeah, so
2: um, I was picking up Daphne as uh, she was coming back from racing in the West fjord's Way Challenge in Iceland, uh, which was very badass and inspiring of her. Um, and uh, it turns out the cheapest flight back into the US is uh, into Denver. From Iceland. So, and she has a friend there. She's going to stay with that friend. She was going to fly back to Austin, but then I was like, I'll come up to Denver and ride bikes in Colorado and escape the Texas heat. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, so yeah, that was the plan. So, um, drove up there, visited family in North Texas along the way and, uh, yeah. And then hung out in the Denver area in Golden, Colorado specifically, um, are kind of like, one goal was to do Mount Evans, and I uh, can talk more about that, but I managed to get up there, um, and that was a really, uh, really cool experience. But we also, Daphne and I, got to do some gravel riding out of um, Nederland, Colorado, I think is how they pronounce it. Okay. That's how we'd pronounce it here. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, some really good stuff, and um, did a little bit in Santa Fe on the way back, and
0: yeah. Why didn't Daphne join you on the Mount e- Evans uh, run?
2: Yeah, well, the plan was to and fortunately, she just wasn't feeling well that morning. Oh, yeah, okay. so she yeah. very, very kindly, you know, was like, no, go ahead. And like, you know, you should have that experience. So it's very yeah. appreciative of that. Yeah, let's yeah. talk
0: about Ma- Mount Evans. I, I mean. I know from your Instagram how tall it was. It was like (laughs) 14,000 something feet. Something, yeah. Uh, But is Mount Evans significant in any other way or is it just a Um, high peak that you can ride up?
2: Yeah, I think it's just, yeah, it's a high peak that you can ride up. It's a 14-er, um, 14,000 feet. I think I read, like I was was doing like recon and trying to understand the weather conditions and all that, I think I read it might be like one of the highest paved roads. Okay. Oh, um, I guess maybe that means it's higher than uh, Pikes Peak by a little bit. Um, but t- I mean, don't quote me on that. But oh, we're quoting you. It's on the uh, internet now. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> the first done. episode we're throwing in the trash, but this one goes on okay, the internet God, shit, forever. Shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Got to so, find my So, but sources, it's but like yeah. it's up there with Pikes Peak as far as like a paved climb to a mountainous summit.
2: Yeah. There's
0: in America at least. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think like. From what I understand, and again, I did not do, like, perfect research on this, but I think, like, I think Pikes Peak has, like, steeper gradients along the way. I think Mount Evans is, like, it's relatively approachable in terms of, like, 14ers and, and that, like, the gradient is never above, like, 8%, I think. Um, so it's just the, al- you know, it's the elevation, it's the altitude and oxygen that kind of, like, will get you, but it's nothing, like, super steep that you might just, like, keel over. <laughs> But what uh what elevation did you start at? Um I started in Golden, uh which is must be about like five thousand maybe fifty five hundred. I'm not
0: totally sure. So but you're you're around eight thousand feet of climbing I at think altitude. So. I think so. You can look it up. Yeah. You can look it up if you I don't, want to. Yeah, I don't
2: want to like you know, get it wrong and make it look like I'm <laughs> being self aggrandizing,
0: but dude, that yeah. is that is gnarly. I mean, walking, just walking, going on a hike at fourteen thousand feet for yeah. us for us Texans. And I know you're a born and bred Texan. Like you, you didn't uh, at any point acclimatize to uh, you know fourteen thousand feet. So you're gonna feel that no matter yeah what totally. numbers you come up with right here. So. Um,
2: according to the worldwide elevation map finder.com, um, <laughs> which only a GIS specialist would even know about. <laughs> that's right. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah. Golden elevation is it or sorry. Golden Colorado is about an elevation of uh, 5,600 feet.
0: Yeah. you were so, close. Yeah. You said 5,500 yeah. and you went up to 14,000. So we're at 8,000. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Menos. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Most Menos. What is that more or less? Uh, you said that last time, too, maso and, menos, I, yeah. Yeah, and I see si. Maso Menos. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's so funny uh, where that term actually uh, where I heard it first was in Spanish class in Costa Rica. This was just back in like May oh, of this cool. year, and uh, the Spanish instructor would be like, Oh, you get it. You understand. And one of the girls was like, oh, Maso Menos or what, what was it? Maso Menos. Maso Menos. Yeah. yeah that's mm-hmm. what she would say every single time and <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what she was saying but she was saying more uh ah, kind of yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I I knew what she was saying she yeah. was like ah, I kind of get it but I didn't like really know what she was saying <laughs> right on yeah yeah so you did the uh, Central Texas showdown you were actually the first person to ever uh, ride the route I've driven it I created mm-hmm. it but you are the first person to actually ride the route yeah yeah um, mm-hmm. It's gonna be kind of funny because some of these questions I've already asked you. Some will be new. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this time I'll actually let you finish your answer, uh, which will be <laughs> which will be com- <laughs> will be crazy. And they, it's like whoa. <laughs> they've had time to age, you know, <laughs> like a fine wine. So, like, yeah. do I? Is this yeah. the question? <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. This is an easy one. Yeah. Uh, but why did you choose to do a, an ITT of the showdown versus? Signing up for the group start in October. And what was the date that you did yours? So we're in July. It was like last month, right? It was like, yeah, it was like the first very first weekend of June. So yeah. I think it was like maybe so it was May hot.
2: 30th to June 2nd or something like that.
0: Yeah. 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 So why choose to do it in one of the hottest parts of the time in <laughs> Texas? Yeah. Not at the group start. What was your motivation for even doing an ITG? Yeah, totally.
2: Um, well, the yeah, I mean, the short answer is I, it's because I'm moving, and, um, you know, I just didn't know if I would uh, have the opportunity um, to come and make it to the mass start, um, to the group start in October. Um, so, yeah, I'll be moving to North Carolina to start grad school uh, in a couple of weeks now, and, you know, I think you posted the route. Um, I can't remember when you posted the route. Sometime in spring, it started to kind of like, the word got out and started to circulate and I asked you for it. And, you know, I was like, I really want to do this because I mean, I mean, first of all, like I've loved the East Texas Showdown, um, you know, going there every year and, and riding that. And so I trust you to make a good route. And second of all, <laughs> and second of all, you know, I, um, I grew up in this area. Uh, I was born in Austin and grew up in Buda. And came to back to Austin proper, I, I guess, for uh, to go to college and have stayed here. So anyway, I mean, Central Texas and like you know where the route goes through is just a lot of the roads that you know are my favorite roads to like go out and escape to on a weekend or try to do like a little overnighter with my friends. Um, yeah. You know, I'd say like that's, I mean, those, some of those roads are like the, where I'd go to like train for these Texas showdown and I was like getting into bikepacking and yeah. and those sorts of things. So, um, you know, so I was like, I, I really want to like try to do this route. I just like don't, I can't bank on like being able to make it to the group start. So yeah. I might as well just work it in. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you're leaving in two weeks for North Carolina, mm-hmm. which is also in the hottest part of the summer. <laughs> <laughs> so really like it's like if I'm going to do this before I leave it's all going to be hot it's all going to be exactly it, it it's you, all you worse. had a window of time and <laughs> yeah you're like all right well I guess this is what I'm going to do and yeah so you were kind of a victim to your own time schedule with with the time like if you could have picked a yeah. time to go ride an ITT of the Central Texas Showdown I'm assuming you wouldn't pick June as the ideal month to go do it
2: probably not um Probably not. Although, you know, I think we had a more mild like summer. I mean, now it's now it's gotten hot. Yeah, it it started off mild, yeah. It took a while to get hot. There there was this
0: like chatter going around like, Oh, it's gonna be a mild summer. I remember hearing about this like at the beginning, like, Oh, it's gonna be a mild summer. Wishful thinking. Thirty minutes (laughs) thirty days later it's like, (laughs) nah. Yeah. The weather was like, Hold my beer, watch this.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it was just like it was an now or never sort of thing. And, yeah, you know.
0: So uh, the for anyone who doesn't know the the new Central Texas Showdown route uh, is 467 miles. Uh, it takes place in the Hill Country, um, and and if you want to look at it on a map, it's easiest to describe that it kind of circumnavigates uh, Fredericksburg, but never goes into Fredericksburg. It really stays on the outskirts of. Um, a lot of things and, and really like limited resupply uh, is a big uh, distinguishing feature of this this route. Um, the other distinguishing feature is it's 78% road mm-hmm. and 22% gravel or unpaved surface. So it's, it's so much different than the East Texas Showdown, which is 60% gravel, a uh, lot more resupply points. It's like it's why you know the Texas Showdown series needs to have three events to try to showcase Texas versus one because you're not you're not gonna do a good job in in one event um, so that's what the central Texas Showdown is and I'm wondering you know for for me and for the listening audience where are you at in your own like personal, let's call it quote unquote cycling career, cycling journey to (laughs) say, okay, I'm ready to step up and take on 467 miles. You know, like what kind of experiences have you had that have like led you up to this? uh, Yeah. Yeah. This this ITT.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm kind of in a moment of like, yeah, how seriously do I take cycling and, you know, do I, yeah, that word like cycling career, um, is, is, <laughs> or that phrase is a funny one. Um, cause I mean, I mean, it started off as like just a hobby. And How old are you? 26.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're at a very critical, well, <laughs> kind of critical. I don't know. You're at a point in your life where you're like, where do I want to buy devote yeah. my time, tension and energy? Right. How much? Time attention and energy do I want to put into this right kind of yeah thing. yeah
2: how much yeah, how much do I do this really? yeah, yeah. but like um, cycling you know started for me like I think for a lot of people I was like commuting around um, didn't own a car in undergrad when I was in Austin, and so I was like getting around by bike um, that bike that I inherited from my family uh, from my grandpa got stolen over the summer, and so uh, this summer oh no 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 or sorry um, you know, like a well, summer that I was out of town. Yeah, in college. Then um, this was like maybe five years ago or something. Um, but yeah, I started like commuting on a bike that I got from my family.
0: Yeah, but that's <laughs> sentimental. Your is your grandfather's yeah. bike. was it sentimental? Was it like a pretty? I mean,
2: yeah, more más <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. more or less. But uh, but you know, it was like a Trek hybrid. Like, yeah. you know, it, it, it got the job done, but it wasn't like super cool yeah. and, and stuff. And it wasn't like I, you know, purchased it within It wasn't like I had any intent with it necessarily. And it didn't like really motivate me to like, it didn't make me curious about like how far could I go? Like, you know, do I, do I ride bikes for fun? It was really just like forgiving around, you know, from point A to point B. Um, but then, you know, like after that got, that bike got stolen and, uh, I needed a new one, you know, it was, like, an opportunity to kind of buy my first bike where I was, like, making the decision, and, um, yeah, and I was, like, I know on a road bike, I've, like, seen people riding these, like, drop bar bikes, those look cool, um, maybe get, like, some better brakes and stuff, and so I got, like, a, you know, kind of, like, thousand dollar, uh, sort of all-rounder type bike with some drop bars, um, aluminum, disc brakes, uh, like still a pretty entry-level group set and rode that around and started commuting on that. And um, anyway, fast forward a bit, like I started to notice like people like in Lycra and Spandex, like riding bikes around Austin. I was like, wait a minute, like you can, what are they doing? Like, (laughs) (laughs) what's that about? Um, And like fast forward a bunch and you know, it started like... (laughs) I'm really sorry,
0: but like... (laughs) I'm just, like, picturing this, and I think, I mean, I'm only going off my own perspective and and whatnot, but, like, you see somebody riding a bike in Lycra and spandex, and I think most people are, like, weird. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think you're the first person ever who's ever (laughs) said... They saw someone in Lycra and spandex, (laughs) and they were like... (gasps) Oh, I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. so maybe that
2: tells you something about how my brain works. Maybe. But <laughs> I, yeah, I'm interested to know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, like fast forward a bunch, you know, it turns out, yeah, there's like tons of group rides in Austin. And I, you know, eventually like uh, got like a nicer road bike, um, a carbon road bike and like started riding that around a bunch. And um, I don't know, like I think. I've I've always, like, gravitated towards just, like, doing, like, very long rides and just, like, seeing how I could, how much I could physically push myself and just myself, like, not so much about competing with others. Um, And, and yeah, and so, you know, I was, like, doing, like, century rides, like, out of Austin and going into the hill country and back and just, like, you know, sort of touring, like, all of my stomping grounds where I grew up and was, like, going to summer camp and, you know, had, like, high school memories and, and stuff like that. And uh, I was just like, I wonder if I can ride my bike to where, you know, I did that thing that one time. Um, and so, anyway, fast forward a little bit more. Um, yeah, and then, you know, I've discovered this bike packing thing, which very nicely integrates like bikes and also like, you know, camping in the outdoors, which.
0: Yeah, we talked about yeah. on the first episode. Uh-huh. You're a Boy Scout, Eagle Scout? Yeah. Eagle Scout, yeah. So, we're both Eagle Scouts. So, we both yeah, like kind of got right. introduced to the outdoors through. Boy Scouts and we're leaving our commentary on Boy Scouts or the scouting program for another podcast. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. we both derived uh, a lot of benefit from and you can. Totally. Leave, no, leave no trace principles, how to start a fire, how to yeah. cook on a fire. Yeah. You know, how totally. to pitch a tent, you know, how to survive in the wilderness, the the belief in yourself that you can uh, do those things, you know? Like, it, it totally. all has it all has value for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, yeah. And so, like, you
2: know, I've I've always, you know, liked being on the outdoors. And um, you know, through scouts, that uh, gave me those like skills and that exposure. Um, and so that's you know, it's kind of like been the way to like recreate for me, I guess. Um, and so finding something like bike packing that's like this format that very much like you know crosses that boundary, like does both, like you know like it's so cool like to leave your front door ride your bike to like a campsite and then come back instead of having this like null space of like being in the car you know separated from the outdoors like separated from like the experience of like the landscape you know what i mean yeah um so yeah so like gravitated much more into, into the bike packing thing um and then i think i mean the first like proper bike packing thing i did was like the first east texas showdown and I signed up for it, I think probably mostly because it was free that first
0: year. <laughs> and so I was like... It wasn't free the first year. Oh, really? Okay. It was $50 the first year. Oh, uh, okay. It was yeah. cheap enough that James was... <laughs> you could sucker me into his it. His frugality yeah. <laughs> was like, uh, can I, have, I want to afford that? Yes, gotcha. I can. Yeah. Yes, I will. Yeah. It was $50 the okay. first year. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah.
2: So, yeah. I mean, in my... My recollection of it was so, so cheap, cheap that I forgot about it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Which is um, why we raise
0: the prices. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> right. that's not why we raise the prices. <laughs> we raise the prices because uh, running these events is a lot more complicated and takes more people and totally. than I ever thought. It's like when you start one, you're like, I don't know. I don't want to. I'm not trying to get rich. Like, I'm yeah, not yeah, trying yeah. to like take all the money out of your bank account so I can put it in mine and I can go drive a Lamborghini. That's not what I'm trying to do. <laughs> right. So I'm like, I don't know, 50 bucks. Let's let's just try 50 and yeah. see if anyone will show up. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not to derail where you're going, but just to, like, talk on the price because it's something that I've wanted to address publicly and I just haven't hmm. uh, because there haven't, hasn't been a good time. But, like, We've gone from, the first year was $50, the second year was... 75 maybe? 75 or yeah. 80 is what I was gonna say. And then we've landed now on, I think last year was like close to 100, maybe 90, 95, maybe 100, I don't know. Um, and then this year, what we're doing now is uh, 120. And the conversation that I've had with Emily and, with other like advisors that I like bounce things off of is what I've said to them is like, let's figure out a price that we can keep this sustainable because what I don't want to do is, you know, not to cast shade too much on other events. And so I won't call anyone out specifically, but there are events that have gotten like very expensive to just get into. Yeah. And I, I don't want... Money to be the reason someone can't. I just need the money so we can run the event the way that we want to. And so, like, we kind of settled on this 120 price and hoping that that can be sustainable for many years. And people can, like,
2: count on that, like, expect that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to
0: derail what you're saying, but, like, the money thing is something that I care a lot about because it's not about me being rich, it's about how can we get the most people to come experience this. And also run the event the way it needs to be run, yeah. and create the kind of experience that we want people to have. And finding that balance is just—it's a learning process, like anything else. And we're just learning yeah, as totally. we go. And yeah. it's yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I love the, yeah. Love the transparency and not to call call out other events, but yeah, there's definitely ones you know where you're like, are <laughs> like, what did
0: I pay for? Daphne would and have where called them out. If she was here. <laughs> Fair enough. If you yeah. listen to the Patreon episode, you can know exactly what <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> what that's about. Yeah, Easter egg. Um, <clears throat> you know, so the East Texas was your first. I think foray into like. What do you want to call it—a bike packing race, or ultra gravel cycling, or whatever the fuck, like a longer distance event? Whatever it's called, you know, something that looks like that. Yeah,
2: exactly. Um, Yeah, and you know the conditions are what they were that year. Um, I had to drop out because my—I brought that same thousand-dollar bike that you know was my my purchase. You know, right after it was my you know my first like sort of like. And you know, entry level bike purchase basically, and I was like, "Oh, this thing can do everything. I think it can handle it." Nope. Um, What was it? (laughs) I mean, it's it was it's called a Trek Cross Rip. Um, Cross what? Cross Rip. Yeah, and it's yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I've
0: just never. Cross Rip. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, No, I mean they marketed it as like this is your thousand dollar like you know you can put like a you can put like a rack and panniers on this um or that's
0: why it's a cross rip it's or, like a, it's yeah. a bike that's designed to rip in a lot of like cross training like cross yeah. cross disciplines
2: more or less yeah but very like entry level components yeah um the the brake pads went very quickly in the uh in the wet sand so
0: anyway um, Everybody's did, yeah. That yeah. wasn't your bike's fault. <laughs> that enough. was the conditions, I Fair think, yeah, on yeah. that on that trip. Yeah. yeah. But what, um, when, at what point in the race did you drop out on that first year? Um, I got to
2: Kennard. I got a little past Kennard, so like mile ninety, something like that. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and your brakes were already gone by mile ninety. Yes. Wow. Did you have them replaced prior to prior to that?
2: Uh, no. Almost certainly not. Yeah, so probably not started in the in the best spot I could have. But yeah, I mean, in your defense, nobody
0: knew. Nobody, nobody knew. Nobody was prepared for what like the conditions that we got that first year. Right, Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> everybody lost their brake pads. A lot of people dropped out. It yeah. was it, it was not ideal and. And on the flip side, a great learning experience. Like I'm pretty sure that everybody who signed up again for the next year had brand new brake pads. I definitely and, did. Right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's like okay, I signed up. Yeah. I learned a couple things. Yeah. And then exactly. what happened? What happened on the next? Because you should you you know for the listening audience, you have done. There's been three East Texas showdowns, and you've done all three. So the first one, you learned some things. Mm-hmm. Second one, yeah. Yeah, second one went, was my best,
2: you know, performance by the numbers. Um, I managed to like ride through the night that that year, um, yeah, and finish the whole thing in one go. Uh, I was a little worse for wear by the end and uh, kind of screwed up my, you know, one of my one of my tendons in my foot. But, uh, but yeah, you know, kind of pushed through, and that was sort of the goal was to like, I think that was my first time riding through the night actually. Wow. Um, And, yeah, you know, and it it, it helped, you know, to have done that course one year before and just been in the area and kind of, like, have a sense for, like, yeah, you know, like, gas stations are open these hours and this is what you can count on. Yeah. So. What bike did you ride in that year? That year um, was a bike. I I rode a hardtail. It was a giant Fathom. um, Also sort of an entry-level bike. Um my, my frugality <laughs> is gonna maybe be a common thread here. But um, but uh, but yeah, you know, I managed to find that off Craigslist for pretty low price and uh, it's like this is fine and uh, probably like over equipped that for like really what I needed it to be. I mean I had like extra like fork rack, you know, type things on it, but But yeah, and I was probably like one of two people that year that had a suspension fork um, at the (laughs) sexa showdown, which I took note of and and corrected, you know, in future attempts. But uh, but yeah, you know, like the 2-2 tires, I think it was like 2-2 or 2-1 tires, um, you know, were more comfortable. And, you know, I just learned some more things, you know, just with each of these goes. Yeah. Learn a little bit more.
0: What is informing your decisions to improve like you have an element and, you know, for the listening audience, we touched on this in the first episode and I know about it just from knowing about you, but your frugality does kind of (laughs) lead. You know, it has a front seat at the decision-making table, let's say.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: So when you're learning these things, are you kind of just like overcoming your own frugality or is it just simply like exposing yourself to new stuff and learning and, and, you know, biting the bullet?
2: Yeah. I guess it's hard to say. I mean, I guess like for whatever reason, I just like, I, I probably do still spend a lot of money on bike shit but I just like try not to like I don't know I'm kind of like I, I try to get away with as much as I can before I like I make you know drop a bunch of money on like something fancy and new and um
0: I, I yeah. mean I love that to be honest with you I think we we talk a lot about in the industry of like the bike that you have is fine. Yeah. Um, But we don't see a lot of examples of people who are doing that necessarily. It's like Mm -hmm. I say it. I say it on my platform. And also all of my bikes are fucking tight as shit. Fair enough. Uh, So much of what genuinely matters is happening in between your head, yeah. you know, like in your brain space and your your physical preparation, yeah. We rarely see people tap out of races for mechanicals. It happens, mm. mm-hmm. but how often do you see people truly tap out of a race for mechanicals? It feels like it's usually like I went too hard. I got overheated. I didn't right. stay on top of my nutrition. Uh, yeah, you know, mentally I wasn't in it. And so, like, how important is that the bike in this whole equation? Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, totally. And um,
2: and the thing is, like, I I'm not gonna be competitive. Like, I've had not, you know, I rode like my my vintage, like you know, quote unquote vintage, like '90s steel mountain bike this time in East Texas Showdown, and did worse than I did last year when I was like on an aluminum, you know, newer hardtail. Yeah, but. You know, like, I had a good time, and I think that my priority, like, right now is, like, not to, like, try to be, like, winning races. It's really just to, like like, um, be intentional about, like, the time that I spend away from friends and family to be, like, riding bikes, and, you know, if I'm training, quote-unquote, like, you know, just, like, what am I really training for, and is it... I don't know. I mean, I think also a function of living in Austin is that there's like so many. There's a really big scene here, um, really big bike community, which is cool, um, but it also means it's really competitive. And like, you know, if you if if comp- if you make your priority like competition here, um, it can really take you down a path of like spending a lot of time and a lot of resources to like you know compete. Yeah. And you know, the folks that can do that, like more power to them. Um, I just know, like, I'm not in a position, you know, starting grad school and having other priorities, you know, financially and with my time, um, you know, for me, like it's, maybe it's kind of an all or nothing thing where it's like either like I'm in competition mode or I'm not, I'm like in, you know, have fun mode. Yeah. And so I've had to like kind of pull pull back over the last year, um, and, and just remind myself, you know, what I'm doing this for and, you know, it's to have fun and, and it's like, you know, be with friends, like be in community, um, and yeah, and sometimes, you know. That's, and if I can't afford, you know, if I feel like I can't afford or I don't want to like spend the money on, you know, fancier, newer bikes that would like let me go faster and be more competitive, like that's okay right now. Maybe like sometime in the future, that could be the priority. But yeah, yeah.
0: I don't know. I hope hope that's not too preachy. But (laughs) no, it's not preachy at all, to be honest with you. I mean, we're all on our own journey, and right now you're, you know, you're taking everything in your life and figure out how to how does cycling fit in the best. And yeah, that you know, how does cycling fit in the best can take on a lot of different roles. It could be the main thing. It could be a backup thing. It could be a side thing. It's like, yeah, yeah. you know, you just have to figure out like at this stage in your life, what makes the most sense? And yeah, it sounds like that's what you're doing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess like we're like You know, to go back to that question, like, where does Central Texas showdown and this ITT, like, fit into the career, quote unquote, you know, it's just like, it's just like, it was a challenge, and it was like, you know, the route was like, it was like a longer distance than I think I'd ever, like, set out to try to do in one go, and, you know, doing it on the bike I did, it was like, I was kind of underbiked a little bit, it felt like, you know, which was like a challenge mentally, and, you know, I think that's just where I'm at in the, the quote unquote career, is just continuing to, like, push the challenge, push the envelope sustainably and
0: yeah so I mean like there's something about doing an ITT that I feel like puts more pressure on you for sure because like with yours in particular I asked you if I could share it on social media so like you know, I've got 14,000 followers on Instagram. Like, I don't know how many people are actually <laughs> engaged. But how many bots do you have, Patrick? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably helped yeah. most of them. I won't hold you to uh, it. <laughs> yeah. True Marmalade has helped me. <laughs> <laughs> do yeah. you get that reference?
2: Uh, I maybe halfway get that reference.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I mean, I put your tracking out there. And so... You know, and I'm sharing your updates, and so like, on some level, doing an ITT is more like there's more pressure surrounding it, yeah. Especially if you know people are putting it on social media, and like there's a sense that I've got a, you know, people are watching, and I, I don't want to be a, a yeah, yeah, I don't want to make a fool of myself, right, 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 you know, kind of yeah. thing. So I'm wondering like, what was you know, we're talking about right now, you know, being ultra competitive versus, like, just having a good time. Yeah. What was your, like, mental approach to the ITT? Like, what what were you going for, ultimately?
2: Yeah. I guess the way it strikes me right now, you know, on, like, a spectrum of, like, ultra competitive versus having fun, it was, like, somewhere in the middle, maybe, um, where, like... I think like I wanted to do it, and it felt like a proper adventure. It felt like a proper adventure in, in, in as much as like I didn't know what the outcome would be. I didn't know if I I would be able to finish it, Um, and yeah, and you know there was an element of like if I if I could finish this, like I could be the first person to ride this route, and that would be really cool, Um, but. You know, from another aspect, it was, like, yeah, you know, it was, like, just, it, it would be really cool to, like, sort of connect the dots between all of these different places I've ridden in, you know, like, Lano and around Fredericksburg and Comfort and Lakey and, all. you know, all these towns along the way. And so I think, you know, I think, like, publicizing it, like, saying, calling it an ITT and, like, putting it on social media I was, like, I mean, kind of a way to, like, push myself in a, also, you know, just like further push myself and like challenge myself because I, I kind of know like, you know, if I had just gone out there and like not told anyone I was going to do it and I'm like, I'm just going to ride as much as of this as I can, there were definitely moments where I, you know, my rational brain would have been like, you're not in a good place. You should just stop. This doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, And so knowing, you know, that I had like, you know, friends and people texting me and like, I had like, you know, put a target on my back, (laughs) like sharing stuff on social media. It was like, oh yeah, like it would look, you know, I should only really quit this. Like if I really, if I'm really sure about it, you know, and just like, I guess not look dumb essentially, but (laughs) not look what? Not look dumb essentially. Oh, (laughs) you know what I mean? Or just like, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just re- give it a really good, good go. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
0: Definitely uh, <laughs> adds an extra layer of
1: yeah. Like, it's like what yeah. you
0: said. It's like you start to question: Do I really need to quit now? Right. You yeah. know, can I keep pushing? Yeah. Because then the internal dialogue becomes with yourself: How do I answer those questions? Right. You know, so if you start thinking about quitting, then at least for me, and we'll see what you think, but like, then the next thing is like, okay, what questions are people going to ask? ask You're yeah. like, why, why did you <laughs> stop there? Like, what was it? Why couldn't you sleep and keep going? And then I'll start having, I'll like start answering those questions in my head and be like, And if I don't have a good enough answer, I have to keep going. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you come up with a good enough answer to, like, answer all the, you know, quote unquote critics, (laughs) then maybe you can justify quitting. But anytime you add, like, outside, an outside element, Mm -hmm. I think it helps to level up the, like, I don't want to say pressure, but the... Your commitment to doing the thing that you set out to do—it's like I told people I was going to go do this. I yeah. need to give it a—I need to give it a fair shake, right? Right? right. Yeah. Yeah. I did that. I mean, I just rode—I uh, rode from my house to Natalie's house, 106 miles. Yeah. And uh, just yesterday, I guess I—you know—four o'clock this morning is when I finished <laughs> and. You know, there's times it's like, man, if I wasn't riding to Natalie's house, it's like I might just like stop and sleep on the side of the road right. for a while yeah. or <laughs> if I didn't have somewhere to go, if someone wasn't expecting me, right. you might start to question what you're doing and why you're going so fast and why you're pushing so hard and why your stomach hurts and you just keep going. Like, yeah, yeah. But when you have somebody that's waiting on you or people that are watching you, then it, yeah, it becomes a whole nother thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How did how did that? Because I, I'm i pretty sure in your experience of, you know, quote unquote, your racing career, uh, you you haven't done an ITT before, right? No. Yeah, was that challenging for you in any way to be doing an ITT to be the only person on route to be the only person that people are watching? Because when you're on a field of 200, you're like, oh, look at what James is doing. Oh, great. Cool. Now, let's see what Ronda's doing and let's see what Michael's doing. And, you know, you're kind of just like absorbing the whole race as a whole. But when you're out there by yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's just you. Right. <laughs> did that get in your head
2: at all, or did, were you able to? Um, I don't think so, and maybe that's because I felt like it was, I mean, I, you know, it was mostly, like, you know, people I know, like, you know, friends and, yeah, it was mostly, like, friends that were, like, texting and messaging and that I was, like, texting back to, you know, kind of give updates to and stuff. So, you know, I kind of felt like it was just, like, having all my friends watch me and know where I was. But yeah. also, you know, sort of like, oh, yeah, like, I need to – you know, reminding me, like, these are the people I'm going to go tell this story to. And, you know, do I want to tell a story where, like, I sort of chickened out or, like, I gave it the best go that I could? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I really like the ITT format. And now I'm very curious about, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in, like, doing more of more, you know, events or, I guess, races, um, more ITTs. Because um, I think, like... The ways that you can—I mean—the ways that you can like kind of control the experience and like control some of the variables, like you know, weather, um, when you start, uh, you know, time of year, just all those sorts of things. Um, I think I like that a little bit better than like the sort of the, the pressure of like making it to a mass start on time, and then there's all these people around. Um, you know, that are might kind of get in your head about like, Oh, they have like a really nice bike. I bet like they're going to, Oh shoot. Should I have like, you know, wider tires and stuff and those sort of comparisons. I mean, I do really like, you know, being around, you know, riding around people and having this sort of like safety in numbers feeling. Yeah. Um, for sure. But yeah, but I, you know, I think it probably helped that I felt like, you know, I'm, this, this place is familiar, that I have friends that could come pick me up if I really needed them to. Um, I mean, doing an ITT of, like, Tour Divide, totally different story. Um, not committing anything. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's just like th- this was a special case, because I think yeah. there are a lot of, like, safety net factors that made an ITT probably a lot more, yeah. feel a lot
0: better. But, yeah. It's interesting. I... I is your... Okay. Does any part of this have to do with your frugality of not wanting to pay the entry fee to be a part of a mass start or does it have nothing to do with that? Oh, it really, just, it really, it
2: really doesn't have anything to do with that. Yeah, yeah but no. you just
0: you yeah. I, I'm I'm sure I think most people would lean towards a group start with the safety and numbers yeah. with all those things. But but you found that Maybe you're open to this format as being something that would be good for you, or that you, yeah, it's yeah, it's something that you can do. I don't think everybody can do an ITT. Um, I don't think it's for everybody. Yeah, you know, yeah, like because there isn't a lot of ambiguity in picking a day and a time randomly at a hat to go try something very hard without any company yeah. to bolster you on. You know, I was just talking to uh, Chris Ricard and Hannah Simon about the Tour Bide, mm-hmm. and both of them said the exact same thing. They might have used different words, mm. but they said the same thing. And that is that when they were in a hard place, They looked at the tire tracks that were in front of them Mm, and they looked at the tire tracks that were behind them. And they realized that every single person that has come before them has been through this and kept going. And every person behind them is going to have to go through this and keep going. Yeah. And I don't know exactly what that is, but that comfort that comes from knowing that someone has been here before and kept going and that other people will have to keep doing that. Yeah there's a huge like psychological value there um that i think a lot of people lean into probably including myself that you don't have in an itt yeah yeah
2: yeah definitely like i've i i like that yeah and i i've definitely like recognized like i've experienced that same thought you know doing like east texas and doing other rides even you know just the entire tracks like going through this like sort of sketchy looking mud puddle or something and
0: So were you, were you intimidated or nervous at all about the idea of doing an ITT or no big deal? Um, no, I definitely think I was, I
2: mean, I kind of like, you get the split brain thing where like, you know, one side of your brain's like, I want to do this, like I'm setting the date, like I'm holding my, you know, holding myself to it, then the other, you know, then you wake up in the morning the day before and you're like, wait, what am I going to do tomorrow? Yeah. Like why? I don't think that's gonna be a good idea. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, it was definitely there's definitely like nerves about it. But um, I don't know. I like I joke with like friends when we go like on a long bike ride or something, you know, or finish a long bike ride. It's like, well, that was you know, that was just a bike ride. Like you know, it's just it, it it's a simple thing really, and the the second by second of it is simple. It's just the like you know the preparation, and I you know I feel like I I've gotten good through doing long rides and how I first got into like road cycling and stuff at like looking at a map and studying that and figuring out like, you know, how long I need between gas station stops, for example. And
0: right. Yeah. So, so let's talk about, uh, when you started and why. Okay. And also how it changed. Yeah. And <laughs> why it changed. Yeah, totally. Um,
2: Yeah, so I was, the original plan was to start, I guess it would be midnight Saturday, like the first weekend in June, um, last month. And the idea was that on this route, there's no formal services or like resupply for like at least like the first hundred miles to like 120, I think 120 damn, um, like to Lukenbach. Yep. I guess like, you know, in Luke and Box, like kind of got weird hours, you know, that just like little store fairgrounds kind of thing. And yeah. then you get like to comfort, which I think is maybe 130 or something. Yeah.
0: It's not um, much further.
2: Yeah. And that has like more formal services, Bankersmith yeah. and like some of those. Yeah. Like, yeah. So anyway, yeah. I mean, it's just a really long haul before you get to any like good services. Um, and so I wanted to start at midnight because I had been doing a bunch of night riding the months leading up to it. And I knew from that, that, um, you know, I needed a lot less water and a lot less food when the sun wasn't out. I, you know, just like, it felt better. Didn't feel like I was like cooking as much. Um, and so I wanted to get through that first like hundred mile stretch at night and feel like relatively good. And like, you know, I would need to carry less water and less food essentially was the thinking. Um, yeah. And so that was the original plan. And then, Everything was looking fine. I was like really monitoring the forecast throughout the week, and you know it looked like there were going to be some maybe thunderstorms like later in the weekend, but mostly okay. And I was sitting, so I got out to like Castel to the start, and I was sitting at the Castel General Store after it had closed, just kind of loitering, uh, waiting until like you know midnight came around, and uh, you know was like compulsively checking the weather. And, like, sure enough, it had changed, and, um, you know, now there was, like, thunderstorms forecasted, like, for midnight. And, um, I knew that I wanted to try to get through the first two gravel sections before the rain came, because um, I wanted to avoid riding on wet gravel as much as possible on the road bike that I was riding. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so then I decided to move my startup, you know, pretty much ASAP, and left around like 10 p.m., you know, that Friday night, um, thinking that I could get through the first two like gravel sections early on in the route, like within those two hours, and you know, if I got rained on after that, fine. But, yeah, yeah.
0: Let's uh, let's talk about what bike and tire you ran because I think that's uh. Yeah, it's an interesting question for this route because it is seventy-eight percent paved. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a road bike on seventy-eight percent of it makes a lot of sense. Uh, <laughs> right. But as you found out, the last hundred miles could have some impact on you know what bike you set up. So, what what did you decide to run and why? Yeah, so I um,
2: rode a Giant TCR road bike with twenty-eight millimeter. Road tires. Um, I think they were Vittoria Rubinos, which, you know, were the only were, was what the shop had available in the timeline that I had. So not, I didn't do too much thinking about like which tires exactly, but, um, but yeah, th- that w- those were like the widest tires that bike would fit, twenty eight millimeter, and um, and I knew I wanted to do a road bike, just given like the amount of pavement and the amount of climbing, and you know, I'd ridden a lot of the gravel before, and I my experience on it was that it was like decently hard packed. And I felt like, you know, it would be a little under biked, but I felt like I would be able to get through it in good conditions. Yeah. Yeah. How'd that go? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we yeah. shouldn't. Maybe we should wait to see yeah. how it went, but that's what he was riding. Yeah, exactly. God damn the it. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Let's, yeah let's 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 ease up to the end yeah, yeah. let's let it let's let it linger we don't want to we don't want to rush this thing it's like a fine wine <laughs> we've already done this once before uh okay so you started 10 uh, how did it go I mean how yeah how was the first let's start with the nighttime. how did yeah, the yeah. nighttime go because I know once the Sun comes out it's kind it of a different changes. story yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the nighttime was, was mostly okay.
2: Um, I mean, from like a course, you know, just course Intel standpoint, like I felt like it was, you know, totally, totally approachable at night. Nothing too crazy. Um, there are like two gravel sections. There were those two gravel sections, like I guess between Lano and Crabapple. Um, yeah. And, um, those were a little sandy, Uh, The first one in particular, but nothing too crazy. And um, yeah, I mean, the only thing that was challenging about it was just like, you know, was just my own case where my plan was to try to sleep for a few hours before starting at midnight. And then moving my start time up to 10, you know, I wasn't able to sleep before starting. And so I was nodding off a little bit and had to stop and take some naps laying down on the asphalt.
1: Um,
2: (laughs) (laughs) How many naps did you take? I think two, for like for how how long? Five or ten minutes. I like set timers. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, how did you decide? I was talking about this on a. I think with Hannah we were talking about this. But how how did you decide how long to set your timer for? Um, I don't know.
2: I mean, I guess just like how sleepy I was feeling. Uh, and I, you know, I think I, I just set it for like I probably like did like five minutes, and then when that rang, if I still felt really bad, I just you know, reset it for another five minutes, and then tried again. <laughs> so, you know, I was just trying to keep it short and snappy because I did, you know, you want to keep going.
0: When did you sleep uh, prior to your ITT? Because you started at 10 p.m. Yeah. Uh, so conceivably, you didn't sleep until you know the night before. Yeah. Well. So you're trying to ride through the night without any. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess part of
2: the part of the challenge of it was like I were I didn't take a day off work. Like I didn't take that Friday off work before the Friday I started. Um, frugality, uh, <laughs> uh, for better or worse. And so yeah. I mean, I think I woke up probably like. 6 a.m. Uh, that Friday.
0: And, um, yeah. Yeah. So you are just, yeah, you were running out of fumes and just trying to, like,
2: maintain. Pretty much. And, yeah, I mean, I can do maybe a little bit better when like there's gas station stops and I can like drink a coffee, but you know, I made a thermos of coffee and like brought it out there to the start. Like that was definitely part of the plan. And so I like down that, you know, at 10 when
0: I left, but then, you know, (laughs) couldn't find any more. (laughs) What did you take with you for that first, uh, and for you, I don't even know if Lukenbach was open by the time you got to mile 120. So you probably resupplied in comfort at a mile 130. Yeah. Uh, Like, how much water and food and stuff did you bring with you?
2: Yeah. Um, Let's see. I had two, I think, I think I had two bottles, 24 ounces on the bike. And then I had a 1.5 liter, like, hydration pack, um, Camelback. Um, So, I think all together, that's, like, close to, like, three liters. I think that's close to three liters total. Um, And I... Yeah, and then food-wise, I think I had probably about, like, 2,000 calories or something. I've, I just, like, had a lot of bars. I basically, like, stuffed my little frame bag, like, you know, as as much as I could with bars and stuff. Um, so, food was, like, definitely not a problem. Um, yeah. Uh,
0: it's just, uh, like, food fatigue, right? Like, palate yeah. fatigue. It's, like, eating bars for yeah. however many out, out. But, so, like, you took three liters of water for a hundred and thirty miles. I, well, starting yeah,
2: but I did. I did luck out, and I was able to fill. I was able to refill in Crabapple um, at that I, school. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I wish I could claim like superhuman like water consumption. No, stats, I think it's but yeah. <laughs> I think it's
0: better to just get your water and yeah, take care of yourself. Exactly. Yeah. But we're, yeah. So you were just like. You knew you would need more water, and you were just planning on finding a church or something where there would be a spigot, yeah you know, along the way. I had ridden through crab Apple like on road rides. I never
2: stopped there, you know because there's it's just like kind of a historic school and church, you know sort of in that quote unquote town yeah um. And I was like, I was like, I'm pretty sure there would be a spigot there. Just like how, you know, the way it looked when I had passed through. Yeah. So I was kind there of thinking on that. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
0: This year for the race where that'll be our drop site. So it's at mile 69, I think, which is nice. And uh, <laughs> we're going to have like a, I don't know, we'll have like a tent kind of set up and you can pick up your resupply there. Um, yeah. Yeah, which will be good for like, you know, if you're not a crazy person doing an ITT and you do a group start, you've got all these advantages. Wow. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm sold. So are 120 other people <laughs> <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> currently. <Yeah. laughs> so what about uh, Daybreak? Yeah. Where were you? Yeah. How did it go once? Once the sun came up, like where? Where were you at that point? Do you remember?
2: Yeah, so I think like the sun was coming up right as I was leaving Luchenbach. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, and um, and yeah, I mean the sunrise. Sunrise was really nice. That stretch between Luchenbach and Comfort is like mostly down. Well, yeah, mostly downhill. You get a nice drop, um, kind of like down the into the valley. And um, yeah, it was like easy, it felt nice. I knew comfort. I knew there was a good coffee shop in comfort where I'd get good coffee. So I was feeling pretty good at that point. <laughs> yeah, it was still cool out. Yeah.
0: When did you get to the uh, the Uvalde climbs after Garner State Park? Yeah.
2: Well, I remember, I remember like I was starting to feel hot, like even before. Um, Hill Country State Natural Area. Oh, yeah. Um, Because I remember, like, I rolled into um, Bandera, which is kind of a resupply before you hit, like, Hill Country State Natural Area, and you hit some of, like, those climbs and stuff. And, like, you know, I, like, without thinking, like, got in the shade at the side of the gas station and, like, just got a bunch of, like, cold drinks and stuff. Um, So, yeah, I mean, hitting, like, by the time I was hitting those climbs, it was, like, I think the sun was basically overhead. Um... I mean, it was, yeah, it was hard. Like, you Have know. you
0: done those climbs before?
2: I hadn't done, I hadn't ridden, I haven't ridden between uh, Utopia and Gardner before. I've done like the climb, I've done some of the climbs, like like the one kind of like right after Lakey. I hadn't done the Vanderpool climb by, um, I want to say Lost Maples Really, um, I hadn't done that one before. That one, that one was gnarly. But, do you like that? Uh, in a, in a in a manner of speaking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm getting ready to do one. a yeah. bio. I'm already getting ready to do my own ITT. So I'm using this oh, interview as beta for my own. Yeah. You know, I could change the course completely. After that, I'll be like, that climb, gone. What other, are there any sections of the route that I should get rid of, in your opinion? What, what was, were there any areas as a person who's like familiar with this area? You've grown up in this area, you've ridden all the routes. Yeah. Were there any areas that I should eliminate or replace with something better?
2: That's a good question. Um, there's like some stuff I like out there, but it just isn't. There's some some roads and like some climbs that are really nice, but they're just like not very well connected, and so like putting them into a larger loop is just doesn't really
0: make sense. Um, and that is the primary primarily the biggest problem with yeah. routes in Texas is roads that lead to nowhere and. It's, it's tough, right? Like, yeah. through roads that are good are just harder to find. Right, 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 right. That's something that anyone who's in Texas that's trying to create a route is going to run into. It's like, oh, that road's so fucking good, but... Yeah. You just dead in and turn around. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, No, I mean, I don't think so. Like, I think a lot of those roads are really nice. I mean, one thing that's different about my experience is, like, I was riding some of, like, the you know, stuff closest to Lano, which I think like could be like larger highways at night when there was basically like no car traffic. Um, so those, some of those highways might be a little bit busier. Um, but I've also ridden them like during the day and they're not like, they're nothing crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's all to say, like, I think for what it is, like, I mean, yeah, I think I think you hit all some really good stuff. And yeah, I mean, with the challenge of like actually looping things together and making it a continuous thing. Um, I think, I think it is, I think it's probably the best it could be.
0: Yeah. So how did your, how did your second day go? Uh, yeah. Take us through that second day. Cause I know how it, <laughs> I know what happens whenever you get to the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I mean, before you get to the hotel on that day one, like, how are you feeling? What's oh, going yeah. through your head? You're I was questioning your existence on this planet.
2: Just a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I was definitely not in a good place uh, for a while, like leading up to Kerrville when I got a hotel room. Um, I mean, kind of like, so like from Bandera, like, you know, I was getting to Bandera like kind of mid morning, you know, the next day after I'd ridden. And then, you know, through Bandera, Hill Country State Natural Area, Utopia, Gardner, Vanderpool, like, you know, that was just, like, during the, throughout the heat of the day, um, and so I was getting into, like, Hunt, Ingram, and Kerrville, like, sort of as the sun was setting, I remember the sunset in Ingram, so it was, like, really nice off the Guadalupe River, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I was just feeling, like, really cooked, um, You know, really needled by all the climbs and just, like, slow, sluggish. Like, it was taking forever to get to Kerrville. Hot. Yeah. Exposed. Yeah, yeah. It gets less exposed, like, actually around Hunt because you get down, like, next to the Guadalupe River. Right. And you're like more in the trees. That's true. But even then, you're still kind of doing these like creek bed punchy rollers, and so you'll know you, you'll go down, but you have to climb up this like little hill, and it's just it's just like annoying and slow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, like you, I don't know. It's like oh, this is really pretty, but God, I wish it was like flat, and yeah. uh, you know. Um, and especially just you know, given like the amount of time I had been out there uh, on that ride, but. Um, but yeah, so that's all to say, I was not in a good place. You know, I was texting friends and saying like, I think I might really need you to come pick me up in Kerrville. Like, I don't know if like, it's good. It's a good idea for me to continue on. I don't know if I want to. Like, I think cause I was just like, so, it was getting so slow by the end of that push, by the end of that day that, you know, I was like, Kerrville is about 300 miles. So I had, still had like another 167 miles or so to go, which a hundred of that would be like mostly gravel. Um, and so, you know, I was just getting in my head about like, I'm going so slow. It took me like, you know, I spent like the last, like felt like five hours, like being like, when am I going to, when am I going to get to Kerrville, uh, that I was like, I don't want another day of this. Like, I don't, you know, you you get to the point where like, you think you're, you're just going to be going downhill. Um, so yeah, it's just like not feeling good, not feeling confident. Just uh, everything added up. It was like
0: a death by a thousand cuts. Pretty much, yeah. So and you m- went to sleep on Saturday night thinking that what would happen in the morning. Like, how much sleep did you plan for and what yeah. did you think would happen when you woke up the next day?
2: Um. So I think I... So my plan was... To try to get to the Dos General Store, um, which I think would be another sixty miles, if I remember correctly, from Kerrville, um, something in that ballpark. And my plan was to wake up early enough. Basically, I wanted to get to the Dos General Store, like you know, as soon as it opened. I think at like eight a.m. or nine a.m. And so that kind of dictated like when I was going to get up, um, based on how fast I think I. I thought I could go um, so I set my alarm for like 3 a.m. I finally went to sleep around like 10 30 or 11 um, so yeah a fitful like four four and a half hours of sleep or solid so. yeah <laughs> um, but in a bed uh, <laughs> you know rinsed off the the kit rinsed off the body in the shower uh, felt a little bit better. Um, and yeah, that was sort of the plan. It was like, just get to the Dust general store. Like I knew it, you know, get there when they open, don't get there earlier than they open, you know, be efficient, refuel, kind of go from there. So,
0: I mean, you were thinking about quitting. What was your mindset, you know, for the next day? Was it like, ah, I'm probably going to quit, but I'll just see, I'm going to give it my best shot. Like, where Pretty were you with that grappling with quitting versus keeping going?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of hard to remember, but I think, I think I was like, I think I was thinking like, I don't like feel like my, I don't feel like a hundred percent, like I don't feel like I've like a hundred percent recovered and like, I'm just going to knock this, like, you know, this last 160 or so miles out. And I definitely, I think I was in a mindset of like, let me just get to the next thing and then reassess and let me just get to the next thing and reassess because, you know, it's like a lot more manageable than like...
0: I'm not trying to plan the next three days. I just want to plan the next 30 minutes. Yeah, totally.
2: Yeah, so yeah, I think that was my mindset. And... um, Yeah, it's cool
0: though. It's cool that, I mean, like, obviously you're struggling. It was, you're grappling with the decision and considering, hey, I might might need to get a ride. Uh, but at the same time, you're like, also, let me keep going yeah. and just see. And that's all because I put it on Instagram and everybody's following <laughs> you. Yeah, exactly. So you're welcome. Yep. yep Otherwise yep, yep. you would have got to, what was that town? Kerrville? Or? Kerrville. Yeah. yeah. I was like Stevenville, but that was a po- podcast I listened to earlier. <laughs> <laughs> right. I knew that was wrong. Uh, but you, yeah, you're like, you just get to Kerrville. Pour yourself a shower, or a tub, and yeah. call it quits. But you have that ITT pressure.
2: Yeah, I think it's just like knowing what your options are, and like you know, it. It. I think it felt good to know, like, if I need to, like, I'll feel. You know, it, it provided some safety knowing, like, if I really need to, somebody will come pick me up. Um, so I don't have to worry about that. You know, I can I can put that on my mind, and then now just focus on like, okay, like, how much can I, you know, what what's manageable, and
0: yeah. Uh, so how'd you feel after DOS? You got to the DOS general store or whatever, first thing in the morning. Is that what you said, DOS? DOS, yeah. 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 Uh, what? Yeah, I mean, how'd you feel after that and what
2: happened? Um, I'll say, um, I wanna inject like on the way there, it was like kind of a cool experience. Um, it was sort of the, so, you know, I left Kerrville. I think I rejoined the route like right at 4 a.m. Um, you know, got back on the route in Kerrville and kept going and, uh, I was, got up sort of on the plateau, I suppose, like kind of did some climbing and was up like, you know, higher in the landscape, uh, still overnight and was watching like lightning happen, you know, watching lightning strikes like across the sky and down to the ground, you know, off in the distance as I was up on this like sort of high, you know, plateau or, or something and, uh, yeah, and so like you know, starting that like starting that leg out to DOS like that was a little sketchy, um, being around lightning, and ultimately like had to decide to take shelter when I started hearing thunder and the wind changed and it dropped a few degrees and um, yeah, I managed to find like a hay barn, uh, you know, out kind of in this ranch land, and, and that was
0: in the morning. Yeah, yeah, that was between Kerrville and Doss. That's so crazy. <laughs> we don't usually get those morning storms like that. You know, that's yeah. like that's so random to have a morning storm that yeah forces you into some stranger's hay barn.
2: <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And and it's funny too. I didn't mention this, but like I was seeing the same like I was seeing lightning like when I was leaving Lano. You know, because I left because of the the forecast of thunderstorms, which they never hit. But I was seeing the lightning the whole yeah. time and. Um, I think, you know, it's just when you start to hear thunder that it's like, okay, you know, this is closer and probably time to seek shelter. So that didn't happen in the first stretch, but yeah, between Kerrville, leaving Kerrville on the way to DOS, like I started to hear the thunder and, um, decided, you know, the rational choice was to, to take a break and get under some shelter. Um, so that's all to, you know, that's all to say, like I waited in that hay barn, you know, for, it rained a little bit, some light light rain, uh, thundered some more. There was some more lightning. The wind blew around, and I like kept setting five-minute timers, and I like fell asleep on the hay, you know, the hay bales. Uh, woke up in five minutes. I'm like, nope, still hear thunder. Like go back to sleep, and you know, kept doing that until I, you know, went through five minutes not hearing thunder. Um, the rain had stopped, and it's like, cool. All right, I think I think we waited this out and kept going. Um, so that's all to say, like coming into DOS, you know, I felt like okay, like the forecast is clear the rest of the day. Like, made a really, I felt, I felt good about like you know making that decision to stop and kind of like, even if maybe it wasn't dangerous, but at least like mentally, you know, I was like, oh, I managed that well. Like, you know, I feel feel good about like my, my decision making capabilities right now. Um, so yeah, you know, DOS was cool. Like, uh, they had some really good breakfast tacos. Um, they were running a little light in the general store side of things uh on like candy and snacks so definitely like someone to notify <laughs> uh, that they're gonna have hundreds of bikers coming <laughs> through uh because they pro tip yeah they i think they need to to make a bigger order but uh but yeah and i ended up like chatting with the owner of the store for a bit you know uh and, and like you know somebody that came through like a, a local patron of the store was you know where are you riding to and stuff like that so had some like good conversations there that kind of like lifted my mood early in the morning. And, you know, it feels, you know, feels good to like say like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. and
0: Yeah. It's way yeah. better than being stuck in a hay barn <laughs> while lightning is striking all around. You're like, Oh yeah. People. Yeah. Yeah. People That's are nice. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah comfort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. So good, good memories in DOS for sure.
0: How far after DOS is uh, the unpaved section that was impacted by all this weather that is happening all around you? Uh, you seem to be skirting around it. It seems to be skirting around you, but yeah. it didn't skirt around the course at at large, right? Um, and by design, the last hundred miles of the course is like all unpaved and. More of the more like gnarly, harder section of the course. Um, when did that? When does that happen after DOS?
2: Yeah, I think like it must be maybe like somewhere between ten and twenty miles after oh, DOS. Pretty close. It's pretty I close. I look yeah. it up while you were. Yeah, get some actual numbers. But I mean, yeah, it's maybe like you know an hour, hour and a half more on the road um, before you start to hit that those unpaved sections so yeah so that's about 344
0: 345 yeah. and then it gets onto the gravel at 358 yep so 10 yeah 10 or 14 miles later you're right hour hour and a half uh yeah you get to the unpaved section of the route um what happens <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I fucked around and I found out.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck around, find yeah, out. Yeah,
2: exactly. Um, yeah, so it turns out, you know, like, coming into DOS, after I left the hay barn, I was seeing all this water on the road. There's like, water running across the road from the fields. Like, it had clearly rained a bunch. And, um, yeah, so getting on that unpaved, those unpaved sections, like, it was, like, wet, you know granite sand uh and it was slow going like immediately like you know i think i was probably feeling pretty good on the pavement <laughs> some breakfast tacos in my belly and going you know 15 miles an hour i don't know down to like eight or less <laughs> or four or four <laughs> yeah so yeah i mean it was like slow going and um yeah and i you know started to come across these like big puddles big like muddy muddy patches um you know i was on 28 millimeter tires very little clearance on the road frame so like and i had ridden through some mud the day before like around hill country state natural area found out like that immediately packs into the frame and like gets close to the gears and stuff so i was like it's not even worth definitely not worth trying to ride through that so i was unclipping, walking in my road shoes like you know on the side of the road like in the vegetation to try to stay clean and uh yeah, it was very slow going. It was like pretty demoralizing. I started like, you know, getting to like low water crossings where the creeks were full, um, including like a pretty gnarly one. Like Threadgill Creek was, was pretty full um, and it was, you know, had some like visible current and uh, yeah. So anyway, you know, it was just slow going, like taking my shoes on um, or taking my shoes off, putting them back on. Uh, cleaning the mud off of my socks and everything out of the cleats and it's pretty, pretty more. I mean, you know, it was like type two fun where it's like, oh, this is like, <laughs> this is fucked up. I'm like, what am I doing? And like, you know, not thinking about like what I'm doing to the bike and how much is, this is going to cost. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, but on the other hand, it's like, I'm going very slow right now. And like, there's a hundred miles of this.
0: So, um, uh, you know, not to give anything away, but we're getting towards the end of the story here. Uh, you ultimately uh, backtracked on the route, right? You like, you yeah. Got off the route yeah. and then rode to the general store, essentially DNFing on the ITT. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? What was it ultimately that made you call it? That's like, okay, yeah. This is. X, this is too much. This is too hard. This is undoable. Like, yeah, what was it that made you actually get off route and just say, and just call it? This you is know, it. I mean, yeah. you're a hundred miles from the end. Like, right. Like, why now? Why call it now? Yeah. I mean, from a high level,
2: um, I gave myself like a very like, Fixed time window to do it. Um, you know, I didn't take Friday off of work. I didn't take Monday off of work, like after the weekend. So you know, I really had like from after work Friday through Sunday to do it. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I maybe if I had taken the Monday off and given myself more time, um, going slow on the gravel wouldn't have been as much of like a an issue and wouldn't have caused mu- as much anxiety. But um, you know, I knew like yeah I just knew like I had to finish it up like that Sunday um and I had to get home like take care of my dog and like get back to work and (laughs) and all that sort of stuff yeah life yeah back to you're not a
0: professional cyclist Uh, yeah exactly
2: (laughs) yeah um back to the life thing and yeah but then like on a more like you know technical I guess or like practical sense um I knew that, like, well, I mean, I, I, I'm glad i glad, like, I gave, like, the first unpaved section after DOS a try and, like, just at least tried it instead of, like, you know, chickening out and saying, like, oh, the gravel's going to be too wide. I'm not going to try it. Um, but after going through that, like, first 10 miles, maybe, or however long that first section is, um, you know, I think I was averaging, like, five miles an hour, and I was, like, this is an abysmal pace and I don't know if it's going to get better. And I even like, you know, I rode a little bit next, on the next section and it was not better. And I knew like from experience of like riding, I mean, I've ridden like the rest of the route essentially like on other rides and stuff and know what the terrain is. And, you know, I just know it does was well, not going to get better. Um, I know there was a couple of uh, river crossings coming um, into like the Dos Rios campground yeah. uh, south of Mason that would... I mean, under, like, sort of, quote-unquote, normal times, you know, when I was riding them earlier in the spring, like, they were still pretty, like, slippery, full of water, pretty long, and after, like, a good storm, you know, I was like, that could be running a lot quicker, you know, turbid water you can't see the bottom of, like, could be, like, a real slip and get carried away hazard, and, uh, yeah, it was kind of just, like, straws breaking the camel's back, and, you know, and I... It was like I think this is the point at which this is like not becoming fun at all anymore and like just kind of seems dangerous um, and it's just going to take way too long and uh, yeah you know and it was like the, the point at which I went off route and went back to the general store you know it was like kind of it was like kind of the last like point point to return for a while uh, before committing to like a lot of the gravel right so yeah
0: yeah it's one of those like how committed am I? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not that committed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any regrets? Do you uh, like or or maybe a better question is like how do you feel about your attempt? Are you are you happy? Yeah. Learn a lot? You disappointed? Like where where did you land ultimately on your attempt?
2: Yeah. I think like I think like I feel good about it and um yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously, like, didn't, didn't get to say, like, I finished the whole thing and was the first to, like, ride the whole thing, um, set a de facto FKT and all that, which, you know, would have been cool. But, like, um, I mean, I'm proud of my, I, I feel good about, like, you know, not having someone come pick me up in Kerrville for, like, keeping going the second day, for kind of, like, figuring things out on the fly. Um, I mean, I kind of, like, went, I didn't look at the heat forecast very closely. <laughs> and so, like, after the fact, I was like, shit like that was hot out there yeah. like that was like my head unit was reading like close to 100 at points and like Jesus um, So Um yeah I mean it felt, Seem- felt seems like a mild day
0: compared to now but yeah <laughs>
2: right yeah back in the good old days <laughs> back in the good old days when it was Topped only 100, down 100 it was like yeah.
0: 98 you're like oh man it's so nice right yeah <laughs>
2: um, so yeah I mean I feel good about it and um, I mean ultimately like the goal was just to like again have a really nice challenge just try to like i mean and you see as much of the hill country as i could you know and this like kind of like last big ride that i could do before i move potentially like i just don't know when i'll be able to do it again yeah and um i mean at the very least like i'm glad i didn't like have to get picked up like it was still cool to like ride from castell way the hell out to, like, you know, Gardner State Park area and, like, see the landscape change and then, like, ride it all
0: the way back. Yeah, You know
2: what I mean? And um, yeah. One of my
0: favorite quotes is, adventure starts when things go wrong. Yeah. You know, and I really – I have a lot of, like, affinity and respect and appreciation for people who – you know get themselves into a situation and if it's too big yeah. figure out a way to get themselves out of it you know and yeah I, you know not to say you have to i i've called people i've called people to help get me out but it's also like ideally if you put yourself in that situation right. you also get yourself out of that situation i think that's best case scenario and it doesn't have to follow the route per se but it's right. just like Okay, this isn't working, but I still respect people that, like, you know, get resourceful and, yeah. and and figure it out. And you are there for the experience, too. It's, yeah, partially it'd be cool to, like, be the first person to do an IT of this specific route. Yeah. But also it's super cool to just go ride your bike 400 plus miles yeah. and have an experience and get yourself back to your car and drive yeah. home. And be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I did that. I did yeah, a thing, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah,
2: yeah. You know, not to go off on a whole tangent, but like, I feel like the I was having like you know this conversation with folks when you know a few weeks ago with the Titan submersible that you know went missing and had this like big international response and um, you know like Daphne and like some other friends and I we were having these conversations of like kind of comparing like yeah like doing this like dangerous activity going to the bottom of the ocean you know or riding your bike out in the middle of nowhere where there's no services you know it's kind of like what are the ethics of that and you know um how do you do that responsibly and with like yeah with bike riding I and this like sort of ultra bike packing stuff you know I think I guess like I guess like we should always like have respect for people that like maybe they get themselves into a bad situation but they like know what the limit is and like when to like say like no it's actually not worth like doing the whole route or whatever and like not you know burdening other putting other people in unsafe situations being able to get themselves out of it instead of like continuing on you know and kind of requiring people to come rescue them and put themselves in danger potentially
0: and the Um, other flip side of that too if we're really gonna dive into this would be it's also okay to call your friends for help if you really need it, right? Like, we don't want to put the message out there that, like, that's not cool or, you know, it's not for anybody to make that call for you. And I'm not trying to elevate one position over the other. I think that we are the stewards of our own lives and need to be responsible for that. And you need to figure out what's best for yourself in any number of a million different scenarios, right? That yeah. it is solo, self-supported, and that is the the underlying current of pretty much everything that we're talking about, um, which is true. And also, it's cool if things go wrong and you figure out a way to keep going. Yeah. That doesn't mean you have to, you know. If right. like things go wrong and you need help, it's fine to call somebody and yeah, and ask for help, but. I, all of those things are fine. And, yeah. and it is up for that person in those moments to make those decisions. It's like you are proud of yourself for uh, hunkering down when in a lightning situation. And I've been in similar situations where it's like, you know, you just kind of feel like kind of like an adult. It's like, yeah. okay, <laughs> right. analyze everything that's happening in my environment. And I'm making a decision that I right. think is right. and And it doesn't you know as I'm talking about it like my thought process is like it doesn't even matter so much that you get it right I think that it's like well it does from a safety aspect but what I'm saying is like what's what's neat about what we're talking about is that we're giving ourselves the opportunity to be exposed in, in an environment that maybe we're not used to like mm-hmm. I'm used to being in my house or my office or my car yeah. and everything's temperature controlled and everything is like you know, there's the bathroom right there and Joanne sits right there. And, you know, it's (laughs) like a controlled environment. Um, But when you go out into the natural world and you're dealing with like cars and people and lightning and thunder and rain and flooding, and you're relying on yourself in a way that you're not typically used to. and, And how we all relate or react to different circumstances maybe isn't like the most important thing maybe the most important thing is that we're like exposing ourselves to those hard things yeah and even like that in itself is a win you know like get out of your house get out of your car put yourself in an environment that we as a human race have like stepped out of in many ways and put yourself back in it yeah and I I think that You know, even if you have to get picked up, yeah, is still like okay. I went out there. I tried. I evaluated my scenario, my environment, how I'm feeling, where the next resupply is, and you make a decision to keep going or to not keep going. But either way, you expose yourself to something new and challenging and hard, and you had to rely on yourself in like a different way. So yeah, kind of taking that on like a
2: (laughs) philosophical.
0: Spin, uh, yeah. but you right. know, like in your in your circumstances, in your circumstance, you you tried the unpaved section. You forded a river that was rushing and rapid and yeah. fast moving, and you like went down that road and you tried it, and you're like, all right. Uh, actually something no about 100 more miles of this actually yeah. no <laughs> yeah uh but there's this road over here that i know i can do and it'll yeah. take me right into castell right
2: um, yeah i think like yeah i think it's always been like a victory or like you know it's been a good ride or a good thing you know good experience if like you learn something and you get to get up and you know, ride again the next day. Right. And apply that lesson. You know, you don't you don't harm yourself or harm your bike or whatever.
0: That's right. (laughs) To the
2: point that, you know, you're you you can't do it again the next day.
0: That's that's so well said. So much more simply. It took me 30 minutes to say what you said in three seconds. (laughs) But yeah. So uh, let's say that. Well, hopefully at some point you're going to do the Central Texas showdown again. That's right. Whether it's a group start this year or another ITT or group start next year. Um, you know, for the listening audience, you know, and i, I put this out there, but I am currently training uh, for an ITT of the Central Texas Showdown. I'm taking off on, I don't know, the last Wednesday in September, whatever day that oh, is, cool. it's like okay. the last Wednesday in September two weeks before the official group start. And I'm doing like, uh, I mentioned this on the last one, but like, I know Ariel is for sure committed. Ariel from Cycle East is uh-huh. committed. Um, nice. Anyway, I'm doing an ITT yeah. coming up soon. I hope that you'll be back and, and take another stab at it. Absolutely. And I'm wondering if and when you do, and, and and maybe like extending this question to advice for other people, i.e. me and Ariel who are <laughs> yeah. thinking about doing it soon. Right. Uh, what do you think about bike setup? What do you think? Like, what is a good yeah. bike and tire combination for this route? Um,
2: I think if I were to do again, if I were to do it again, um, I would just try to find, I would maybe, go up to thirties, maybe thirty twos. Honestly, like the twenty eights the twenty eights like rolled okay, like in the wet sand and the mud. The biggest issue was is I think the frame clearance and any mud just immediately getting stuck up in the frame because like on the on my bike, like I had like maybe a few millimeters of clearance between the tire and the frame. And so, you know, some kind of gravel bike that is almost like run, almost looks like a road bike, I think would probably be the best way to go.
0: So like, yeah, it really comes down to clearance. I think so. On this one. You know, you can get away with a, you know, a fatter road tire, essentially with a road style bike, but having the clearance in case you do run into like some shitty conditions on the last hundred miles. Yeah. And the cool thing about asking you this question is that you actually grew up in this area. So even <laughs> though you didn't ride yeah. those hundred miles on this ride, like you actually know what those roads yeah. are so you can speak to, you know, what makes sense, essentially. Yeah. The only like maybe one of the
2: only caveats I can think of on that, that is what I just said is that um, the death loop of this course that goes north of Castell is actually some of. I think the sandiest, like it has some of the deepest sand on the course. It's at the very end. Oh, yeah. And you you get, I I found a little bit of that on the first gravel section um, and then didn't really find any more of that loose sand, but I know (laughs) it's there at the end. Yeah. And, um that's like kind of the one case you know that you're like 28 or like 32 millimeter tires are going to kind of struggle there's like five
0: or 10 miles at that lat on the death loop That's like super questionable yep yeah but it's like five or 10 miles over 467 and it's like yeah but yeah you're gonna you know you're gonna need everything from road to either gnarly mud or gnarly sand and river crossings and yeah You know, it's one of the things I like about this route is that it's not super straightforward. It's not like you just throw a 28C on there and you're good, you know. Totally. Yeah, I think, like,
2: I think it's probably fair to say, like, you know, there's going to be at least, like, a few miles for, like, any sort of setup that at which, you know, you are just not optimized. Like, you are not going to be having the best time, whether you know, that's the loose sand at the end on your like narrow tires or whether, you know, you have a burlier bike with thicker tires and you're really suffering up the climbs. Um, I think it's probably just not possible or, I mean, it's probably very difficult to like find a bike that just, you know, completely knocks it out of the park on this yeah. one. Yeah. In every situation. Yeah. So, which is cool. Yeah. What's next for you, James? Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of in, like, a state of flux right now, just obviously, you know, with everything in flux, moving yeah. around and stuff. But um, I want to just, like, keep progressing on... I want to keep focusing and progressing on this, like, sort of ultra, like, bike pack, off-road, self-supported, you know, type format of riding. Um and I think I might even kind of take a bit of a break to, like, settle into grad school and, like, take the pressure off of, like, going to events and, like, competing and, like, traveling around to, like, make it to the start line of something. And just, like, you know, take, like, six months or a year just to, like, ride in the mountains and just get really familiar with, like, the Appalachians and, you know, sort of, like, East Coast riding. And yeah. I think and yeah. And so and, – and then kind of building on that, like, I think it would be cool potentially – in a few years at some point in the future to like really set a big goal um and really like work on it for you know like again six months or a year and like potentially um and and then just be like really strategic or like feel really good about like how I'm like training up for that and you know do this like this longer event to lead up to this longer event to lead up to this like really big goal so um Hesitant to commit to anything on the record But yeah But No I like it I mean you're going to take some
0: time Settle into North Carolina To grad school Just enjoy riding for riding Familiarize yourself with the area And then Yeah maybe you know put a big goal out there But not just like Throw a big goal Actually you know plan for it Work towards it Yeah, Do other events that lead up to it That prepare you for it yeah, I like that. I mean, you know, Hannah, you know, her first ultra event was East Texas. Your first ultra was East Texas. And yeah. she's working on the Triple Crown right now. Yeah, and, sure. Uh, so I got to catch up, well, you know, I, <laughs> no, no, we don't have to yeah, compare yeah. ourselves to Hannah. That's but right. but it, it, yeah, I yeah. just love that we're yeah. giving people an opportunity mm-hmm. to like dip their toe in the water of ultra cycling. What yeah. does that look like? And and then where do you go from there? And the fact that you don't have an answer right now is like totally fine. I like that you're in a place in your life where you're asking yourself those questions and you're considering that because I have to assume that you wouldn't just like, you know, wouldn't ride like 50 miles or 100 miles in hill country and be like, oh, okay, now I'm going to, how do I get to the Tour Divide? You know, you'll like, You'll do a three hundred mile event, then a four hundred mile event, then a thousand mile event, and you know it all like it builds on itself essentially. And so like, no matter where you land, I just think it's cool that you know your mind is thinking bigger. It's like, okay, what's next? I can do that. I learned from that, and where do I want to go from here? You know. Totally. Yeah. I'll be in a. North Carolina in uh, August 27th, PS. All right. All right.
2: I'll be uh, all of like... Six days into my my graduate studies, so perfect. Yeah, I'll be ready for a break. Um. Yeah, you should be. You should be ready
0: for. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What do they call that when they drink too much in college? A, a bender. A, be-
2: a, a bender. Yeah. A bender. A binge, yeah. yeah.
0: A binge. Yeah. We'll yeah. we'll go on like a binge. All right. Yeah. Third we'll do episode. some like some. Yeah. <laughs> episode three yeah. with yeah. Patrick and James will be like me hazing you at a fraternity. <laughs> oh, <Lord>. Yeah. <laughs> Not at a fraternity. We'll go to like. A single track somewhere and I'll like hand you beers and make you drink them until you puke but you have to keep going I mean yeah I think I'm mostly here for that be like a whole new adventure yeah
2: yeah sick yeah Yeah. awesome I'm there yeah
0: yeah well cool well thank (laughs) you so much man I appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast twice never had to do that before but thank um, you yeah I appreciate you like being open to that Um, I think We'll release the first one for our patrons, and they can get a, a, a laugh out of it. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. And they can see the difference between a, a normal conversation and super fun conversation. And whatever the first one, I did <laughs> was. yeah. And yeah. you, yeah, you can see the difference. But no, I appreciate, it, man. And uh, yeah. it's, it's sad to see you leave in Texas. Um, yeah. But hopefully, you'll be back and visit. And I really hope that you're not a stranger to any of our showdown events oh, definitely because. Nice. Uh, you have become a part of our family with the East Sixes Showdown, and Thank I, you. Ho- I hope you keep coming back. And I'll yeah, do just, my darndest. Yeah, yeah, just hanging out with us, man, and having a good time and riding bikes, man.
2: That's what it's all about. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, much appreciation for, for all you do. I mean, like you are saying, you've introduced people to – I mean, yeah, you've really positioned these events to, like, be great introductions to bikepacking, and, I mean, even though the conditions were what they were that first year, like, I mean – I, I I think credit's due to, to you and the team for, you know, putting on an event that, like, made me want to come back um and then make me want to come back again. And, uh, yeah, you know, like, it, it it goes a long way.
0: I appreciate yeah. it, man. It's, it's – I don't know how this has happened exactly. I mean, I kind of understand a little bit. But, like, <laughs> what has happened with the Showdown series is, like, beyond anything i could have ever expected and i just feel really grateful and humbled and as a person who just wants to introduce people to the outdoors to texas to ride their damn bike (laughs) uh it's it's super it's like a huge privilege you know like i don't think anyone should thank me i'm just like i get all the thanks from like being rewarded from all the all the cool things that are happening and it's like, holy shit, I'm the guy? I'm are you sure? Yeah. Like, it, 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 me? Uh, me? Yeah. I'm I'm doing <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's right weird, on. right? Like every once in a while you have to pinch yourself and be like, Are you sure yeah. I'm the guy that's doing this? But Yeah, that's I am. awesome. And you've been a part of it, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you sharing uh, your story with us twice.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: And uh, now I gotta go pick up my girlfriend from a cooking class. All right. So let's wrap it up. Sounds good. Let's close this tab. All right. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning into today's episode and a big shout out to James once again, for coming on to today's episode and sharing his experience on the central Texas showdown route with us. And as of the this podcast release, uh, James has already made his way up to North Carolina. So we'll miss you here in Texas, James. We wish you well in your future endeavors, and hopefully we'll see you back at some of the Texas Showdown series in the future. And just a reminder, if you'd like to hear version one of this podcast, that's available to patrons. I'm gonna have that out by the end of the week by Friday. Um, and Hey, just a more laid back approach to a conversation. You might get some giggles out of it and, uh, that's there. If you want it, you want to find out more. Of course, that's over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. Next week, I am chatting with Mackenzie Barney who just finished her tour of the world. She cycled solo 18,000 miles, 28 countries over five continents And uh, we had a lot to talk about. We had a great chat and that one is coming next week. Thank you so much for being here. It's an absolute pleasure. And until next week, you know what to do. Go ride your damn bike.
1: It was the middle of the night. You grabbed your knife and you held it tight. The sounds of beasts kept you awake. The sounds they made kept you afraid. In the morning, you packed your bike Memories forgotten from the previous night You rode faster than ever before Was it your imagination or merely folklore? Fear turned into strength as you pushed further Every pedal stroke stronger and firmer Your bike feels weightless, your legs aren't tired Just a few more miles bikes or death bikes.